I was reading yesterday in the, the Bristol paper, and on the Saturday edition, they always have a, a Saturday sermon down one column on the religion section. And I looked, and the uh, pastor that was had written for yesterday's column, he was on this text as well. So I thought, well, I'm not too far off track of what other people are thinking. As we come to uh, this text, part of, of course, the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the things that we, we become aware of is that we, we read the New Testament, we read the Gospels and the accounts of Jesus' life. We say that Jesus has a manner of, of getting to the heart of an issue very quickly. He's involved sometimes in conversations. We remember, for example, when religious Nicodemus came by night to see Jesus and Seems to be interested in talking about some theological things. And Jesus goes right to the heart of the issue and just says, Nicodemus, you and all those with you must be born again. And then the very next chapter in the Gospel of John, there's the Samaritan woman when Jesus is by the well and she comes to to get water. And she's a woman who is living in an adulterous relationship. And Jesus, again, has a way of getting just to the heart of issues and so begins to address with her the issues of her sin. And although she may want to get distracted by talking about distinctions of Samaritan religion and the Old Testament Judaism, Jesus would not be distracted. And He deals with the issues of her heart. He goes right to the heart of the matter. The Pharisees, Jesus would have conversations with them. They would come with their their questions and Jesus would take those things and, and turn them. Turn them back upon them again to deal with the heart issues of these people. Well, he demonstrates that ability here in our text as well. As we come and just think about this one verse again in the Sermon on the Mount, it's in the midst of a section that's on worry, anxiety. And as Jesus addresses that, he gets to really the heart of the issue very quickly. Then, really, the issue to be considered here as you think about anxiety is one of priority. There are many times the reason we're anxious is because we're concerned about the wrong things. We've got things out of order. Let's look at this verse again. Just one verse we're going to read this morning and then trust the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts. Matthew six thirty three. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things, these things of provision, food, clothing, shelter, all these things shall be added to you. Now I get to this point of, of each year, of the new year coming in and old year going out as we are in January the 2nd here of year 2005. I guess some degree of reflection is inevitable. I can't help it. I just can't help but get to the end of the year and I just kind of look back. And even yesterday morning as we sat around the breakfast table and we, and we thought back as a family about some of the things that God had done for us, the things that we had enjoyed, people who had come to visit, things that we had just done. And then there's always those things that aren't so great, those crisis situations, those things that you look at and say, oh, I wish, I wish that hadn't happened or I wish I hadn't been a part of that. But it's good to think about the fond memories and the good events, but if we take an honest spiritual evaluation... I cannot help but look back and think, you know, spiritually, spiritually, I wish things had been better. You know, I can look and note in some degree 
what we would call those spiritual successes, those things we can, we can thank God for those victories in our lives. But on the other hand, I cannot help but look back to somebody and just think, Oh Lord, I just wish spiritually, for me personally, spiritually for my family, spiritually for our church, that things had been better. So there's always some degree of looking back and thinking there were a lot of unfulfilled goals. There were a lot of spiritual defeats. And you think back, what a, what a loss. What a shame. And the temptation would be, under normal circumstances, in most issues, to get to a point and say, I give up. You know, I've come to the end of another year. I've tried and I look back and it's, and it's a flop and all these, all these flops. You just want to throw in the towel, yet at the same time we realize that we can't do that. So how do we go at it again? Here we are, once again, 2005, a new year, a new beginning. What keeps us going? How do we press on in light of the fact, especially when we look at it so much, we think so much was wrong, so much that was not done well. Well, Jesus' words help here, I think, to set us on task. To keep us on the task of the day. They're not words that are necessarily intended for a new year. However, I think it's a good thing and it's certainly appropriate for us in light of a new year to look anew and afresh at these words. And what I want us to consider this morning is that Jesus speaks to us with perfect wisdom. Again, getting right to the heart of the matter for us. The heart of the issue for us. And so we do well in the year 2005 to make the pursuits of our life, those things that He instructs us in. Let's pursue those things that Jesus says you ought to pursue. And so that's why we're looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. What do we want to consider? This morning, we want to notice about this pursuit. As He tells us, seek first the kingdom of God, His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Notice, first of all, that it is a narrow pursuit. It's a very narrow pursuit. Pursuit in the context, again, of worry, anxiety about life's necessities. Christ takes all the complexities out of it. You know, we don't know where to start many times. What do I need to focus on the most? What do I need to give my attention to first? I've got so many demands pressing upon me in my family, in my home, on my job. Where do I need to focus my energies? Well, Jesus he helps us here. He takes away all the complication here, the complexities of life, sets the priority right here in front of us. He says this, seek first His kingdom, God's kingdom, and His righteousness. And that's quite a contradiction to the ideas of the world, is it not? You know, the world will at least tolerate religion. It will tolerate spiritual thinking, spirituality, but the world doesn't want us to be focused in upon these. The idea of the world is that don't be too absorbed with spiritual matters. Don't take spiritual things too seriously. Give them a place. There's a great deal of respect for that type of thing in our society. There's not a deal of, uh, just a respect for decency. A respect for, for the kindnesses that people who have a religious mindset do. When, you, when we witness the catastrophe of what's going on in Southeastern Asia. What's going on? Humanitarian groups, many of those religiously affiliated, are pouring into this place. And not just Christians. Talking about people who have, of all types of religions are, are moved here to bring aid. So people, they appreciate there to be 
some degree of spirituality in our thinking. Give God, give religion a place, but don't take it too seriously. Well, Jesus counters that mindset, doesn't He? Jesus says this, paraphrase, let this thing be your life pursuit. Don't miss this. If you're going to miss anything, there are a lot of things you will miss out on. Don't miss this. Give yourself first and foremost to seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It's a very narrow focus, but it's a focus that Jesus says you've got to get this right. It's narrow. Narrow your interest. You remember the occasion that uh, Jesus entered into the house of Mary and Martha. And the story as given to us in, in Luke's account there was when, when Jesus entered in this home and that Mary, she was, she was distracted by all the preparations, trying to have things just right for, for Jesus. The Lord was in her home. But what was Mary doing? Mary was at the feet of Jesus, sitting there listening, worshiping, hearing the word of Christ. And Mary, she becomes upset and she rebukes the Lord and says, Lord, why don't you tell Mary, tell Mary what to do. She needs to be helping me to prepare. And Jesus' word was this. Mary has chosen the good part. And he says this, there is only one thing, one thing that is needful. How many times do you have the Lord of glory in your home? How many times do you have the Christ who is God in your home? And which is more important, to sit and to receive from Him or to try to give and minister to Him? So Jesus said in this account, there's only one thing that's important. There's only one thing that's important. She's chosen that, and it will not be taken from her. So there are always going to be other things to consume our time. To consume our thoughts and to consume our resources. And the reality is they have a place. You know, we cannot ignore this. We cannot ignore the fact that we've got a house payment to be made. We've got an electric bill to pay. We've got mouths to feed. It can't be ignored. That we need a shelter. That we need a a vehicle. All these things that are part of our life, we've got to have those things. It's not that they are just to be absolutely ignored and as if they're not important. They have a place. They cannot be neglected. They cannot be ignored. However, they are not to be all-consuming, nor are they to be the priority of our lives. There's one priority. And it's narrow. Seek first. First, foremost, as the priority of your life. The kingdom of God and His righteousness. Jesus says this regarding things like food and clothing and housing that we added to you. That's what he says. They'll be taken care of. You know, and it's Jesus, He warns the disciples and likewise us. He warns us warns about being distracted by those things that, that are considered to be necessities of life. But is it not the reality for us that we are distracted by things of much less importance? I mean, let's face it. We deal with these, we deal with these issues of the, what we call the necessities of life. You've got to have food. You've got to have clothing. You've got to have shelter. We have to have those things. 
But are, not, are we not distracted by things of much less importance? If you're like us, you've got a whole lot more stuff to think about now than you did two weeks ago. <laughs> I mean stuff. Toys, clothes, things, you know. Got a lot more to think about. Not to be distracted by those things. Not to let those things have a priority in our thinking. In Luke chapter 12, verses 13 and following, there was the man who, who came to Jesus on one occasion. He, Jesus is speaking, and this man says to Jesus, He says, Would you not would you tell my brother to, to divide the inheritance with me? And Jesus' first response was, well, who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? But then he goes on and he says this, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, covetousness, desiring to have more. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. It's not life. What we have is not Life, you know, our our tendency is to look out upon among other people, and we say things like, "Oh, they've got it made." And what are we thinking about so many times? We say, "Oh, they've got it made, made in the shade." Uses people who are affluent, you know, they're not having to to live paycheck to paycheck. Or they've they want it, they can go get it. Oh, they've got it made. That's not life. You don't have it made. If you're not seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, you're missing it. You're missing the priority of life. So, well, if I don't address these things, who will? You know, if I'm not concerned about these things, who is? And again, He tells us here, God is. You seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness. All these things will be added. It comes down to this. It comes down to... The faithfulness of God as our Heavenly Father. He knows our needs. He knows what we need. And so He instructs us, you focus upon this. Give yourself, narrow your focus, your pursuits to this. I'll take care of these other things. Granted, we don't ignore them altogether. But we recognize that ultimately we're in the hands of God. God's got to provide for us. He's got to provide. Secondly, we see that it is a heavenly pursuit. It's a heavenly pursuit. Jesus' call here is a call to focus and to reach outside of ourselves in our own small little world. It's to seek His kingdom and His righteousness. Why does He say that? Why does He say to seek His kingdom or the kingdom of God? Because the kingdom of God is the realm of God's rule and God's reign. And if God is the God of Scripture, then it is a very reasonable thing for us to pursue His kingdom above all else. Because, after all, it is this God who has made us. And if He has made us, He has determined the purpose for which we have been created. It is this God who daily sustains us, gives us our daily provision for existence. It is this God before whom we will one day stand and give an account. 
It only makes sense if it's the God who made us, it's the God who, who maintains us and sustains us, and it's the God before whom, he, before whom we will one day stand and give an account. It's only reasonable that we be focused upon His kingdom, His rule, His reign. Because if we understand the nature of God as He's revealed to us in the Scripture, we understand that there is no place that is outside His kingdom. And it's foolish, it's foolishness to live our lives in total disregard to Him. So Jesus says, seek first His kingdom. Why? Because that's the one essential of life. It's the one absolute of life that you can rest assured of. And the temptation is to... to Go out and pursue and to build our own little kingdoms. He says, don't do that. You seek first His kingdom. We see it around us all the time. People are living as though there is no God. People who are living as though God didn't make them. As though they have no true purpose or looking for purpose. People living as though God is not the one who gives them the very breath of existence each day. People living as though they will never give an account before Him. It's foolishness. You seek first His kingdom. Because it permeates all that we know, all that we see, it is in fact all of our world. We also, he says, to seek his righteousness. Remember here, Jesus is speaking to a religious minded people. The Jews are people who have religion ingrained into their society, they cannot think of their of their nationality without, to some degree, as wrong as it may and misdirected as it may have become at times, they cannot help but think about who they are as a people without thinking about God. If they knew their history, and they did. If they knew their Old Testament, and they did. They couldn't think of themselves apart from thinking about God. They were a people who had a religious mindset. And again, it was misdirected, it was twisted, it was, it was wrong filled with error, but at the same time, it had the truth of the, of the reality of God behind it all. This is a group of people who understands moral standards. They understand that God has revealed right and wrong. They knew the Ten Commandments were the law, were the commandments of God. And Jesus says to the to these people here, as he says to us here, to, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, they are called to seek a righteousness that is outside of themselves. In other words, it's not so much a matter of what you are doing for God as much as it is a matter of this is what you need from God. You need a righteousness that makes you acceptable before God. And that righteousness is not something that you can produce in and of yourselves. It's not natural to you. It is an alien. It is an outside righteousness that is given to you. You seek that first. You seek the righteousness of God. Without this righteousness, men are separated from God. The men are called here to abandon any hope of personal merit before God. It is not of yourselves. In the Sermon on the Mount, I think I've mentioned this before, the word righteousness is not used a lot, but it is used, I think it's probably the key word in the Sermon on the Mount. It, just where it shows up. One of the things that Jesus says in, in the Beatitudes is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Who hunger and thirst after righteousness. 
they shall be filled. What's he saying there? That just as your body needs food and water to survive, your spirit, your soul, the essence of who you are, needs the righteousness of God. And that we should have a hunger and a desire for the righteousness of God that is comparable to the physical and the hunger, the physical thirst and the physical hunger that we experience in our bodies. Such as the psalmist says, as the deer pants for the waters, so my heart longs for you, O God. Do you long for Him? And that's what it ultimately comes down to, to, to seek the righteousness of God is to seek Him, is to seek the righteousness that is given to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He also says in the Sermon on the Mount regarding righteousness, He says, except your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll not, you'll not see the kingdom of God. The difficulty with that was in the mind of many, well, I mean, those are the, the most righteous people on the face of the earth. They know the law of God. They memorize the law of God. They live by the law of God. They're righteous people. And Jesus said, you've got to have a righteousness that far exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. You've got to have a perfect righteousness. And it's, it's not of men. It's of God. To seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. To seek after these things. It's about living my life as God has designed it. For His purposes, His pleasures, and His glory. And it is about being right with God. If you do not have the righteousness of His kingdom, you are not right with God. So He says, seek first His kingdom, His righteousness. It's not a pot of gold. It's not a promise of a life of ease and, and leisure. We know that, don't we? But it addresses the ultimate issues of life. God as the king of all the earth to seek his kingdom because I cannot be I cannot exist outside it. But to seek his righteousness. To be right with God. And that's the most important thing for us. Seek first His kingdom, His righteousness. And finally, it's a worthwhile pursuit. It's a worthwhile pursuit. You know, there have been people who have chased their dreams. Sometimes because of inability, sometimes because of ignorance, that pursuit has fallen short. Sometimes there have been those who have chased their dreams and they've apprehended those dreams. They've got it. They, they went forth and they got it. And then they found it to be empty. They found it to be unsatisfying. That it wasn't all they had hoped, all that they thought it would be. But there's good news for those of us who choose and who determine to make this pursuit of seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness, our pursuit. The good news is this. Number one, you will never consider it time or energy wasted. You ever done that? I mean, we've done that on a small scale. I'm not talking about life dreams here, but, you know, just going after something, you give it you give it all you've got, you go after it, and you get done and say, that wasn't worth the trouble. 
That wasn't worth the time or the energy I gave to it. And look back and say, what a waste. It's not so of the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It is satisfaction and joys that are unimaginable both now and for eternity. So we'll never look back and think if we give ourselves to pursuing the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God above all things, before all things. We'll never look back and think, man, I messed up. That was a waste of my time. There'll be no regrets. There'll be no looking back and thinking. Waste. But secondly, you'll not miss your mark. If you pursue His kingdom and His righteousness, you'll find it. You won't miss it. You will not fall short. Because God Himself assures it. In Luke chapter 12, verse 32, we won't turn there, but it's the parallel of this Sermon on the Mount. It's Luke's version of what we have, the teaching here. And in Luke 12, 32, it says this, from the words of Jesus. Jesus says, Do not be afraid, little flock. And again, it's the same concept of this verse right here. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. What's he saying? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first His kingdom. But let me give you some incentive here. God wants to give it to you. He wants to give it to you. He's not holding it back. He's not making it difficult. He delights in giving His kingdom. So if we will make the pursuit of our lives, the pursuit of our heart, seek first His kingdom, we go with the assurance, God wants to give me this thing. Where do you think a desire to pursue the kingdom of God and to pursue His righteousness comes from? You think that we've come up with that on ourselves? No. It comes from God. He is the one who who kindles those desires to be right with Him, to know Him, a desire for the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That comes from Him. It's His gift to us. So believers have the best of both worlds. Believers have the best of both worlds. You have provision made by a faithful Father. You seek first the kingdom of God. All these things that we need in this world, in time and space, they'll be added to us. They're taken care of. But you also have eternity with Him. So you have the best of both worlds. I noted, I'd read in the paper yesterday of that the uh, column by the pastor there that wrote yesterday's sermon on this text. And uh, he quoted C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis says, an interesting thing about living for the, seeking first the kingdom of God, living for Christ and these things. That if you, you seek this, this world, the things of eternity, the things of, that are beyond time and space, you get both. You get the best of this life, you get the best of the life to come. You have faithful provision of God for us in this life, and you have God Himself for all of eternity in His glory. But he also, Lewis said, also said this, if you seek this life, the things in this life, in this world, you get neither. You get neither. Oh, you can have an existence here, and you can have even a pretty affluent existence, but it's empty. You miss the best of this life, 
and you miss the best of what's to come. It's a worthwhile pursuit. We get Him. So, don't waste your life. Don't waste 2005. You know, we're going to get to this point in 364 days from now. And we're going to look back to some degree with regrets. But let's purpose as much as we can by the grace of God. Lord, I want to make this the pursuit of my heart. I want to be one who is seeking first your kingdom, your righteousness, trusting you for the provision of those things that are outside my control. Be faithful with the resources that you've given to me, but to seek first the kingdom of God, it's a narrow pursuit. It's a heavenly pursuit, but it is a worthwhile pursuit. So that once it's all said and done, we'll look back and say, it was worth it. It was worth it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we need our hearts refocused and so many times we're, we're misdirected, that you set us, set us straight once again. Father, I pray for the work at Cornerstone Chapel, for your people here. And there are many things that are clamoring for our attention and for our time that are not worthy, and this is. Lord, would you not work in us as a congregation to be those who are seeking first the kingdom of God and your righteousness in all of life and all that will mean, what it will mean in our individual lives, what it may mean just simply choosing to, to spend 15 minutes quietly before you, before you're thrown in the mornings to to take the initiative in our families of, of family devotions, of, of helping our families, families to be those who are seeking first the kingdom of God. Of beginning conversations with co-workers who are still outside your kingdom. Of simply being sensitive to people that are in our lives that need Christ. We don't know what it all will mean any given day this year. But Father, we want to do that because Christ has directed us in, in His perfect wisdom. He said, do this. Make this your priority and it will not be a wasted life. So I pray that you would work your grace in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.